we continue our Bible reading on the question, what do we know about the omniscience of God from other biblical accounts of divine actions and reactions? And further illustrations of this are as follows. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 to 7, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall, and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth, and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. So God declared to King Hezekiah through the prophet that he was about to die. Then Hezekiah prayed most earnestly, and God changed his mind and added fifteen years to his life. What could be more evident than this narration of accounts? In the second book of Chronicles, chapter 12, and verses 5 to 8, we read this story. Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah, that were gathered together unto Jerusalem, because Shishak had said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, they have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. So here Rehoboam was reduced to reign over Judah the two tribes. Forsaking the law of God, the Lord permitted the king of Egypt to come against Jerusalem to subjugate it. The prophet Shemaiah told the king that God had so reacted to their sin. When the Lord saw their humility, God changed his mind and granted them some deliverance. What an evident account that God observes the actions of men and governs himself accordingly. As we pass to the New Testament, a most notable example 
of this matter before us appears in the 10th chapter of Matthew, verses 2 and 4, in that Judas Iscariot was called to the apostleship when his end was such a total disappointment and such an utter rejection of his blessed Lord. There we read, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, and so forth. They are mentioned, and finally, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. From the assigned reasons for their appointment, and from the ministry assigned to them, it is positively unthinkable that Judas was in an unsaved condition when Jesus chose him to the apostleship. In view of the future important commission of the Twelve as the leaders of Christ's church, and the extensive investment of time by the Lord in their training, it is beyond question that our Lord would not have chosen him if he had foreseen his departure and apostasy in traitorship. Since our Lord declared his purpose and could not be less wise than Christian leaders today, who certainly would not choose such a one if such a future was foreknown, the only evident conclusion seems to be that the traitorship of Judas was not foreknown, but that he was chosen and sent forth to lost souls in a promising discipleship with hopefulness of the future. Judas was not specifically prophesied in the Old Testament, as is often inferred. This is evident when we consider that Psalm 69.25 uses the plural number and not the singular of specific prophecy. The context of the other passage involved, Psalm 109.8, forms a unit extending from verses 6 to 19 and refers to the same typical enemy with only the words, let another take his office, being quoted in Acts chapter 1, verse 20. Certainly, if this was a specific prophecy concerning Judas, many verses of this long context would have been quoted. Then again, Judas performed no necessary function as a traitor. The plain facts seem to be that Jesus chose Judas in good faith to perform the functions which he had in mind and was agonizingly disappointed when he observed the beginnings of his apostasy before anyone else even suspicioned it. This is recorded in the sixth chapter of John, verses 64, 70 to 71. And then his doom had to be sealed by the sop at the Last Supper, because he refused the last kind, loving, tender invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although Judas later repented, it was of no avail. He had been reprobated in great grief. He had passed the limit, later set down in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 29. Let us look at a few of the scriptures that clearly indicate this matter before us. 
First of all, in the sixth chapter of Luke, verses 12 and 13, we read these words, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. So Jesus had continued all night in prayer to God as to who he was to choose to be his apostles, and certainly could not have been mistaken. In the third chapter of Mark's Gospel, we have given us the specific reasons for the choice of the twelve. And certainly, in the light of these revealed reasons, why should complications arise concerning this agonizing matter? There we read, And he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. Here's the threefold reason. First of all, to be with him. Certainly the Lord Jesus Christ wouldn't choose a willful enemy to be with him. This ought to be very evident. And also that he might send them forth to preach. Now certainly the humble, tender Lord Jesus who wept over the Jerusalem and over the cities of Palestine because they wouldn't receive him in his messianic claims and who tenderly pleaded with sinners and ate with them to win them. Certainly he wouldn't send out an enemy, a child of the devil, to preach his gospel. And further, they were to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And certainly God could not have given power to an enemy to cast out an enemy. This becomes very evident. In the couple of moments we have, let us look at Matthew 10, a few of the verses there. In verse 8 we read, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. Notice this is the passage where it describes that the twelve were sent forth. In the twelfth chapter of Matthew, verse 26, we see how totally impossible it was that this could be. For there we read, And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? So Jesus himself said that Satan could not cast out Satan. And hence, certainly Judas could not have been in league with Satan and then be sent forth to cast out Satan. This ought to be evident to all. In the 16th verse of chapter 10 we read, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So Judas is among those whom the Lord Jesus says he sends them forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he's not sending out 11 sheep and one wolf, certainly, or he would have advised us of this. In the 20th verse of this chapter, For it is not ye that speak, Jesus said, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Now certainly the Lord Jesus is not mistaken here. He wrote later of those who had their father the devil and the lusts of his purposes they did. And now Jesus said the spirit of your father is speaking through them. This is a clear indication that Judas was in fellowship and in peace with God. In verse 25 we read, It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. 
If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So Judas was included in this category, them of his household. Verse 40, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Certainly the Lord Jesus would not identify himself with a known rebel in this fashion. And in the seventh chapter of Matthew, verse 6, we read, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Certainly the Lord Jesus Christ, if he wouldn't cast his pearls before the, those in rebellion against him, certainly he wouldn't send out one in rebellion against him with his pearls either. So it's incredible to think that such things as these, among others, could be said of Judas in an unsubmissive and unsafe state. This must be obvious to all. In Acts chapter 1, verse 17, we read that he was numbered with and received a ministry along with the eleven by the lowly Jesus. This should be proof enough. And in the 25th verse of that chapter, we're told that by transgression he fell from something which he must have had and was doomed forever because of his rebellion. May we pray. We are indeed moved with compassion as we think of how men could reject thy tenderness and love and depart in rebellion, even as the lamentable Judas had done so long ago. Oh, may we not follow his steps. May all who hear grant respectful hearing to thy word and thy truth. Come by repentance to the cross of Jesus. Find forgiveness and salvation, and thus avoid the certain doom that awaits the sin that's unpardoned. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.